Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Enlightened Investors, Charles Carrillo is managing partner of Harborside Partners, a real estate syndication firm, and has been actively investing in multifamily real estate since 2006. Charles also hosts the Global Investor Podcast, where he interviews professionals about investing in United States real estate. Charles, please share with us a memorable experience from your formative years that helped you to be the person you are today. I think obtaining Eagle Scout when I did that and that experience of going through the whole process and it really culminated my last year of college with getting projects done. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on when you're ready to graduate to college and or high school and then you're ready to go to college and all these different things. And you're able to then have another thing put on top of it. And it kind of shows you really to finish what you started. And I think that's something that I've really uh, taken as a uh, recurring theme throughout my life. What did you do as your Eagle Scout project? I rehabbed, let's say, the courtyard of my church. Oh, wow. Wow. So yeah. That's a big undertaking. It was a lot of work, but it got done and it looked nice. And so it's still, they kept parts of it already today. So as of last time I was there, so. Oh, well, cool. Yeah. Well, let's get into real estate. And let's talk a little bit about cash flowing real estate in particular, and what is so powerful about cash flowing properties. Yeah. So with what we focus on, I guess, is I've been investing in real estate since 06. And I started with multifamily. My dad was a multifamily investor and commercial investor since the 80s and uh, kind of followed him along uh, around to different properties. And uh, he never had third party management with it. He was doing everything. He never syndicated anything. It was all his money. And then he had one partner for a few years. So it, it was mainly... Uh, them two together as joint ventures or as individuals investing and then him managing it. And kind of what I've done after buying some multifamily and then buying some small commercial properties, I moved down to Florida in 2012 and really started a, a couple of years after that, uh, starting to put together syndications and invest in syndications uh, first passively and then actively put syndications together. And that's really what we focus on is multifamily commercial real estate, uh, 75 plus units uh, typically. And I'm based in Florida. I really like Florida. But it's really the whole Southeast and uh, and Midwest that we're really looking at. We'll look at pretty much anything that's going to be in a landlord-friendly state because with COVID, that just you know a lot of those eviction moratoriums were very devastating in these tenant-friendly states. So it's another reason why to avoid that, which is kind of an unwritten rule prior to that too. But I think a lot of landlords are going to now agree with me after going through that, especially if they're smaller ones. Well, what is so special about cash flowing as opposed to, I suppose we're talking about value add properties that may or may not cash flow? Uh, so with cash flowing properties, one of the best parts of the cash flowing real estate process is that you're able to, when you have the cash flowing property, you know, the main thing they hear now is a lot of value add. And if you're doing like a light value add project where we're doing a little bit of renovation, usually maybe it's two to $4,000 per unit of little upgrades here and stuff like this to raise rent. Uh, if the property is already cash flowing initially, first of all, it makes your financing much easier, much easier to obtain, much better terms, much better rates. So that's number one. Number two is that with your investors coming on the passive side, is that you already have an asset that's already cash flowing. So it's very easy when you're going out to investors to say, hey, this is what 
This is what it's doing right now. It's already cash flowing property. So it really, really minimizes risk. And then now what we're doing is we're going to shake that up a little bit. And that cash flow is going to come down a little bit as we start doing some renovations. But we, the majority of the units we're going to keep online, you know, maybe 85% or 95, 90%, something like this of the units cash flowing in it as we go forward. And on that other 10 or 15%, we can start doing work on those units and then bringing those online at a higher rent and most likely a better tenant base too. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. As an industry-leading relationship-focused design-build construction firm, Mosaic Construction has worked in many different asset classes from multifamily to retail, medical, industrial, and commercial. Mosaic Construction works to execute interior and exterior renovations with their team of trades and project managers. Their experience with value-add improvements has resulted in increased ROI and long-term value of the assets. They work nationally in partnership with local trades to deliver thoughtful, problem-solving construction management solutions to all their clients. For a personal no-obligation consultation, call Ira Singer, 773-491-3145. Or email Ira at mosaicconstruction.net. You can also find Ira on LinkedIn. Yeah, so cash flowing properties that the returns began just as soon as the project is closed then. And so that is attractive to investors. Whereas other developments, if you're going from ground up developments, they typically don't cash flow and you don't get your returns until the building is up and going, which could be two to three or four or five years. So what you're doing, you're striving for that cash flow from uh, day one. You've been in real estate for a number of years here, and you've probably experienced ups and downs and good times and bad times. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've experienced and what have you learned from those mistakes? I would say the biggest mistake I had when purchasing real estate, multifamily specifically, was on my first property. And I took on a project that was it was just a little three-family property. I still own it today. And it was a nice area. It was fine. The thing, though, with that property was that I didn't allocate enough of funds and I didn't do really didn't really have a renovation budget. I was really like I think like most investors flying by the seat of my pants. And it got it online, got a rent it within, you know, got everything all set how it was within probably I think it was about 60 days. So it wasn't really an issue, but those first 60 days were quite a balancing act of getting contractors in and doing a lot of work myself and in just doing one floor at a time. And since I didn't have enough money initially for doing a lot of the capex items that had to be done, it took me like 3 or 4 years to put together to like actually finish up the property with some final things I want to do, which was kind of replacing a couple of the HVAC systems and ultimately replacing the roof. And that kind of completed that project as it was. So underfunding was the big mistake there. And uh, it took you three years to recover from that underfunding. So yes, that must have been a hard lesson to learn there. Yes. But better to make it early than later, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, what have you learned in terms of mitigating risk um, when you're investing in real estate? What are the big risks and how do you mitigate those? Uh, well, like how you said initially, Alan, when you were talking about cash flowing real estate, I think that's the number one. And so if you're buying property and it's already cash flowing, then that mitigates a lot of risk, number one. And then number two is when you're going into a property, always increase what you feel your budget and your renovation budget is going to be and make sure that you're not planning on taking that money from, let's say, cash flow or something like this. You want to make sure you have that money, what we call capital expenditure money or CapEx money 
up up front, have it sit in a bank account, have it sit in a savings account. There's nothing wrong with that. And then that way you can finish the deal because I've purchased properties like that first one that was a medium value, uh, heavy lift kind of thing. And then I have a few years later, I did one that was very heavy lift and I self-funded that whole thing myself. And in between, I did some turnkey properties, which I still own some small apartments. And even with the turnkey properties, they weren't from a typical turnkey provider, but they're from like a flipper locally that I knew. And there's still things that aren't done there. You know, you're going into that property and yes, I can rent this out right away, but hey, you know, I do have to replace these windows within five years or three years. This is going to be an issue. This hot, these hot water heaters are on their last leg. So you have to go in and just because it says, you know, it looks nice and the kitchen looks nice and there's nice floors, you know, there's a lot of bones of that property that still have to be reviewed and you have to put that into your underwriting and, you know, make sure that you're also every month uh, when you're collecting rent that you have a set reserve that savings account again, uh, keep on putting some money into it. It doesn't have to be massive. Um, if you have a property that's in really good shape, it doesn't have to be that much. If you have a property that's going to need some work in the near future or, you know, five, 10 years on the road, then it does, it can be a little bit more. And uh, you kind of know that. And that's the best way of mitigating because it's much easier to write those checks when you just have to move the money over and write it. Because that's one thing with real estate is, you know, you can solve pretty much every problem with writing a check. And I don't know if that's like with every other industry. So that is true. If the money is there, you can write the check and you can <laughs> exactly, and you can solve a lot of problems. But like you say, if you don't have a sufficient CapEx budget and if you don't have maintenance and repair reserves, you can be in a world of hurt. And then the other thing that I think can be a real big problem is over leveraging. And if you are over leveraged, that is generally okay as long as we are in an up market. But if the market turns down, over leveraging can turn against you mm. overnight and put you in a real big world of hurt there. Exactly. Yeah, important exactly. things to look at. And those are important for passive investors not just active investors, but passive investors need to be looking at all of those factors before they consider investing in a project. Well, how do you decide who you're going to partner with in terms of sponsors? And does that vary from deal to deal and from market to market? And what is your major focus when looking for sponsors? Well, that's a great question. When we're co-general partnering on deals, we really want to find partners that number one, have experience and we want to have uh, enough experience in the asset and in the area that we're investing into. So it's not just also the sponsor, but it's also their team in place. So when you're looking at this, has this group done deals successfully in this area? It doesn't have to be every person on this team that you're partnering with have experience, but the main players are really going to be the ones that are handling hands-on the asset management? Are they putting money into the deal? Are they going to be the ones that are going to be making the calls on the calls with us, with the property management company? Is there someone that's going to be on the ground there or it's going to be regularly on the ground you know, with reviewing the property? And the other thing too, is that you, you want to really make sure that with the rest of their team that they have, uh, what kind of property management do they have? Have they worked with a property manager before? Because uh, anybody can Google search and find property managers, but it's really does this property manager work currently in this area? How close to this property do they have other clients or other properties that they manage? The other thing too is, uh, you know, what type of infrastructure do they have in place? I don't want a property manager that has an office 45 minutes away. And I'd like to have property managers that they're 
they're really managing near the property. First of all, they know the rent. They know the tenant base, which is probably number one, uh, especially when you're getting into C-class properties. Some property managers just aren't really fit with that. And then what's the size of their other properties? And also, if they're in that neighborhood, I mean, they're driving by your property uh, every day, probably. There's a handyman that's probably on site your property every day. If there's a mattress out or something like this, you have a handyman that's stopping by, throwing that mattress into the dumpster, um, keeping that property clean so you can make sure you can keep that occupancy. So everything kind of goes together as really their experience and the team that they have around them. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Would you ever invest all your money in a single stock? Very unlikely. Yet investors are willing to risk $50,000 to $100,000 in a single property in real estate all the time. Investor is the world's first customizable real estate investment platform. Investors can build their own custom portfolio selecting investments across multiple asset classes such as single-family homes, multifamily, student housing, self-storage, and shopping centers. You can also invest across multiple markets and different time frames. Avestra also enables other real estate entrepreneurs and syndicators to build and use Avestra's infrastructure and cloud platform to create their own customizable real estate funds. To learn more, visit us at avestorinc.com. Avestor, real estate investing made simple. So that's experience in the asset, familiarity with the area. Are they investing in the project themselves? And are they on the ground or is somebody on that team on the ground able to keep an eye on what's going on there? And a critical factor is the property management themselves. Who are they? Where are they? Uh, Not only are they experienced in the area, but are they located in close proximity so that they can keep an eye on those properties and facilities? Good points there to keep in mind, whether you're an active or passive investor. Well, what is real estate syndication in just simple and understandable terms? So real estate syndication is just, we are uh, pooling together funds and we are buying larger assets. And there's two groups within a syndication. Typically, you have the general partnership and that's the ones that are operating the deal. They're putting it together. And then you have the investors, which are the limited partners or passive investors. And that's another group within the syndication and they're bringing the money. Now, you should typically have some of the general partners putting money into the passive side as well as investing. You know, I know when we do that, we like to keep somewhere like maybe, I think our last deal we did about 25% of the money that was raised on the project, we put in ourselves. And you'll see that typically, I think, with a lot of groups with what's happening with uh, what people do. That's kind of how they structure it. Well, excellent. Well, if you have a full-time job and you are fulfilled in the work of your calling, how do you invest in real estate? And is it even possible to do so without creating another job? With the syndications and with passive investing, that makes that possible. And it allows you to, you can start making and building relationships with other operators. And when you're building those relationships with operators, uh, they'll start providing you with different deals that they've done or that they are doing. And review those deals. You'll have an idea of how it works. And uh, usually, 
and like how we will do it. If someone's on our deal list, something like this, we'll send out an email to them. And it's usually about a month to the time that we actually need to get the funds. But within those first two or three weeks, what we'll do is we'll do calls with our investors, answer any kind of questions, do webinars. It's not something where, hey, you know, I'm calling you on Wednesday and you have to wire the money by Friday. It's something where take your time, bring it to your team, bring it to your professionals, which can be difficult because a lot of attorneys, a lot of CPAs, they don't really have much knowledge in syndication and they don't know kind of picking a good deal from a bad deal. But I think for your first deal, find something that's a pretty clean deal. Find something that's already cash flowing, like you were saying earlier, and uh, find something that's not a really what we call heavy lift. You know, So they're just kind of cleaning it up a little bit. They're uh, changing management companies. They're minimizing some expenses and uh, it's not going to be a huge payoff. You're not going to make a ton of money, but it's going to be something that's going to be a solid investment that'll most likely outperform anything else that like within the stock market. So, well, when they're looking at these, what is a reasonable expectation for return on investment in a stabilized cash flowing property, which would be the least risky? For a first-time passive investor, you're probably looking at something. I, you know, a lot of deals out there are going to be somewhere probably between seven, eight percent, nine percent cash on cash, and that means that that's what you're going to be getting every year. And so, for instance, it's usually paid out quarterly, quarterly distributions. And if that's done, and you're getting an eight percent return cash on cash, or that's what they're expecting, that's about two percent of your investment back every quarter. So you just have to check when that begins, because in some deals it might start. Uh, the second, you know, the quarter after you begin, and it could start six months down the road. It just depends on how the deal is and what the the operators are foreseeing as needing to be done to kind of initially stabilize that before they can start paying out re- returns. And then what we do is like a complete, a total return that's usually somewhere in the teens. And I would say 13, 15% on the low end. And I think a lot of groups are kind of striving for doing a little bit over that between 15 and 20%. Um, where we are now in a pretty heated market, I feel that uh, that's becoming harder and harder to get those higher teen deals. But I think it's something that's definitely you know, it's definitely manageable to get solid deals in the, in the mid-teens or low-teens and with a cash-on-cash in that higher single digits. Enlightened investors will be right back after this important announcement. I have a big ask that will only take a moment of your time. Ratings and reviews are the lifeblood of our podcast. So to leave a review, iPhone or other Apple iOS device users, go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. For all you non-Apple device users, go to podchasers.com. On either platform, search for Real Estate Investing Abundance. Once found, please leave a review and a rating. Subscriptions are also vital to our show's success, so please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. It is free to subscribe, and you can unsubscribe at any time. That's what I have seen a couple of years ago. It was not unusual to get 16 mm-hmm. to 18, 19% returns. But with the cap rates compressing and prices increasing, it has been a challenge to get those kinds of internal rates of returns. Mm-hmm. But 7 to 8% to 9%, that is a certainly well within the range of probably just in about any stock portfolio. And in many stock portfolios, it's even better than that. And it yeah. certainly is a whole lot better than CDs. But of course, there comes risk with any real estate investment. And 
I certainly would not want any investor to go into thinking that these are low-risk investments such as CDs, but your CDs are returning what these days? One and a half to 2% or something like that? Yeah, if you have it for many years, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that is well below average inflation and certainly well below the inflation we've experienced in the last year here. So you're losing money. So uh, sometimes you want to make money, you're going to have to risk a little bit to get that. Well, Charles, tell us how we can connect with you. Sure. So what I do is I do 30-minute calls, uh, free 30-minute calls, if you're interested in learning more. And it doesn't have to be just passive investing. If you're interested in getting into active investing or to build your portfolio that you've been active investing, uh, come to my my website. The direct link to the 30-minute free call is scheduledcharles.com. And I'll forward you right to the page on my website, which is charlescrillo.com. And you can learn all about our investments and my show and everything else. Well, excellent. Charles, share with us one of your most difficult setbacks in life. How did you come through that time? And what did you learn from that experience? Flipping a house about 10 years ago and, and lost a little bit of money on that. And you know, we had a couple other deals in the pipeline and wanted to go after those. So really knowing that no one wanted to cut your losses and it wasn't a huge loss. It wasn't it wasn't that bad, but it was something that, you know, it's cut your losses, move on to other projects. It just wasn't a good property and it definitely wasn't a good property for the price we paid for it. I think learning when when's enough, throw in the towel and move on to the next project. It's very difficult, especially for entrepreneurs that are really taught that you have to keep on going in one direction, but sometimes you have to know when you have to kind of pivot a little bit and that can be on one deal or that can be in your business in general. So, Well, I think almost all of us have been there. Not a fun place to be for sure. Well, for our last question, Charles, imagine that you've come to the end of your life and as you lay on your deathbed, what will you look back on with your greatest sense of joy and fulfillment? I think giving back to the community, something my wife and I do wherever we are, like to give back and we like to uh, donate regularly, uh, especially to food banks. And especially during COVID, it was something that really was something that we started in the beginning of COVID, which you, you really don't know. I, I was kind of disconnected from how many people really needed help. And when you go down to the food bank, and you see these lines. And I went back and took a picture and showed it to my wife. And it was something that now it's something that we do like a monthly giving to our local food bank, wherever we are, wherever we're living. And that's, I think, helping out people when they need most, really. Well, that's something you started a long time ago. Certainly, your Eagles project was certainly a giving back. There's lots of ways to give back and certainly... Mm-hmm food banks are a wonderful way to do that. And a lot of people are disconnected from the high rates of poverty and food shortage that we experience in the United States. It's surprising. In some regards, it looks like a third world country. Hmm. Well, Charles, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been a pleasure having you as a guest and a delight to get to know you. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at Steve. Talker.com.